Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. He konai purangi tēnei nā te reo irirangi o Aotearoa. The last thing that we can absolutely say with certainty is that 4.41am is the last time he makes a keystroke on his computer. At some stage he's gone out to his ute, driven from the house 100 metres down the driveway to the end of his drive, and that's where he's shot. Fielding farmer Scott Guy was gunned down in his driveway in 2010. The event destroyed the Guy family, particularly after Ewan McDonald, Scott Guy's brother-in-law, was charged with the murder. But McDonald was found not guilty. The case has remained unsolved. Welcome to Crimes NZ. I'm Jesse Mulligan, and in this podcast, I speak with people who know the ins and outs of some of New Zealand's most notorious crimes. This case certainly fits the bill. In this episode, we hear what author Mike White discovered during research for his book, Who Killed Scott Guy? It was a a completely unexplicable killing. Scott Guy was a 31-year-old father um, who was gunned down on his way to work uh, just before 5am in 2010, and for nine months there was no one uh, charged with his murder, and so there was an incredible public interest about that. And then, of course, when someone was accused of the murder and charged, it was his brother-in-law, Ewan MacDonald, and so it developed kind of these hallmarks of, of a soap opera, and that that's an unfair and description in a way, but in many ways that's how people have seen it, because then when we got to trial, it was such a high-profile trial, uh, which ran over four weeks, Um, with family members having to give um, evidence and a very high-profile lawyer, Greg King, giving an amazing performance in court. And in the end, a shock to many people, Ewan MacDonald was found not guilty. Uh, And so the case remains unsolved in that respect. You, I think it's fair to say, don't believe that there's enough evidence to point to Ewan MacDonald, the man who was charged of the crime. Is that fair to say? The way I'll put it is that I think the jury made the right uh, judgment in in finding Ewan McDonald not guilty. You know, I wasn't there. I don't know whether Ewan McDonald was guilty or not. So you just have to look at the evidence. And on the evidence that's available at the moment, it's really hard to see how Ewan McDonald could have carried out this this murder, especially if he planned it. Well, he took some amazing and stupid risks if that was the case. And on the evidence that's there and in the evidence that was presented at his trial, there isn't really enough to get to that beyond reasonable doubt for me. And I know a lot of people were shocked and thought that the jury made a crazy decision, but I've always felt, along with many other people who sat through that trial, that it was the correct verdict to come to. Yeah, I probably, like a lot of New Zealanders, just thought they had their guy. And, um, and when he was um, not convicted, thought, well, there's been 
an enormous miscarriage. And then after talking to you, the timeline is not at all simple. So should we go back to July 8th, 2010, and what happened early in the morning back on that day? Okay, so Scott Guy, is a, um, he, he works on a dairy farm. The family owns a dairy farm. Scott's father, Brian, and Joe, his mother, um, are the main shareholders in that farm. And Ewan McDonald, uh, Scott's brother-in-law, is, uh, Ewan's married to Scott's sister, Anna, and Scott, they both have a share in it, and and it's mainly Ewan and Scott who run this dairy farm. So, um, sometime around half past four, but before half past four, Scott guy gets up, um, heading to to milking that day, and he's due there at four fifty, ten to five in the morning on this winter's morning. The last thing that we can absolutely say with certainty is that at four forty one a.m. is the last time he makes a keystroke on his computer because he's got up and he's checked the weather and a few other things. So that what happens is then he's gone, he's had his coffee, he's checked the computer. At some stage he's gone out to his ute, driven from the house 100 metres down the driveway to the end of his drive, and that's where he's shot. Now the earliest that that can happen is 4.43am because it takes about two minutes from you know fiddling with the computer to getting in the ute and going down. So that's the earliest, 4.43am. Just while people are getting the timeline in their yep. head, um, how certain is that time, the computer time? Is there any grey area there or, or no, do we know that he logged off at 441 we know that the last keystroke was at 4.41. We don't know if he stayed there looking at it or, mm. you know, and we don't know what he did afterwards, whether he, you know, how long he took to drink his coffee. But there's no uncertainty there. No. The last keystroke was definitely Scott Guy and was definitely at 4.41am. Yep, yeah, there's, there's, that's pretty much agreed by, by all sides that okay. that's it. So he gets in his ute, drives down to the end. The police cases that he then found that the gates at the end of his driveway were closed. Um, normally they're open. And so he stopped, got out, and when he'd opened the gates, someone sprang out from the shadows and shot him. And uh, he, he died immediately in, in his driveway. And, and the basis for that is because his car, uh, the ute was parked pretty much where you would stop if the gates were closed. The gates, gates were actually found open when um, Scott's body was found. But that's the supposition that someone closed the gates forced him to get out of his ute, shot him, and then um, came up to his body, but then ran away afterwards. So that was at the very earliest, 4.43. Now, the police case was that Ewan MacDonald was the culprit, that Ewan MacDonald, who lived one and a half kilometres down the road, had cycled down, waited for Scott, shot him, then cycled back. Now, the problem with that is that Ewan MacDonald was due to start uh, work at 5 a.m., so he had this very limited time frame, if he was the, the culprit, to commit these murders. Scott was due at 4.50 a.m. So if you and McDonald's thinking, yeah, I'm going to kill my brother-in-law um, and I'm going to do it this way, he left himself a really, really narrow window because he has to... There's, there's no suggestion that Scott would arrive at his front gate much before 4.50am when he's you know due to just drive a minute down the road mm-hmm. to start work. And then Ewan's got to be back there at 5 o'clock looking as if nothing's happened. And in between time, he's got to murder his brother-in-law and do a whole lot of other things to kind of clean up the crime and then turn up at work at 5 o'clock. Because if he's late, if he's after 5am... People are going to ask, why was Ewan late? You know, what was he doing? How come he he wasn't there, you know, at five o'clock? 
And we know that Ewan did turn up at 5am, pretty much on the dot, because he turns off the alarm in the farm workshop at 5.02am. So we've got that period of 19 minutes, pretty much, between the earliest that Scott Guy can be killed to when Ewan MacDonald is seen and turning off the alarm. Yeah. Who else is round? Uh, and at that time, not many people. It's a rural road. It's Aurangi Road uh, on the outskirts of Fielding. Uh, you'd have two other farm workers who are arriving uh, at Ewan McDonald's place, which is, as I say, one and a half kilometres from Scott Guy's uh, driveway. Ewan McDonald's house is at the front. Then there's the farm workshop behind where everyone gathers, puts on their gear, gets onto their, mo- their farm bikes and heads off to, head off to milking. So there was another farm worker, Matthew Island, who arrived. We don't know exactly when, but best suggestion is between 4.40am, 4.50am. So he's there and he doesn't see Ewan McDonald kind of arriving back on the bike and stashing the bike and getting rid of all the other things that Ewan McDonald would have had to do if he was the killer. He doesn't see anything. He's sitting there outside the workshop kind of fiddle, having a smoke, fiddling around with his iPod and, and waiting for someone to turn up. The interesting thing is, though, that Matthew Island does see two cars going down that road in this time frame. He sees one as he arrives at Ewan McDonald's place, ready for work, and that's at about 4.50am, and another one as they head to milking just after 5am. Neither of those two cars have ever been identified, despite uh, a, a very large police appeal. Uh, so we, we we have no idea who those people were, whether they were associated with the murder or whether they were just passers-by who somehow randomly happened to be going down this country road and have never come forward despite all the publicity. Yeah. How unusual would it be for two cars to pass at that time of morning? Look, this isn't State Highway 1. It's not even close to a kind of a major route. You have to be going down that road for some particular reason. Either you live there it's not a road that you just use as a shortcut or a detour. You've got to be a local who knows that road pretty much or someone who lives there. And as I say, despite all this publicity, no one's ever come forward to say, oh, yeah, that's right, I was out driving that morning at around a bit before 5 o'clock. Oh, yeah, no, didn't see anything. So it's really hard to know uh, what, what those two cars were, whether they were involved or not. But if they were involved then it rules out Ewan McDonald pretty much because Ewan McDonald, the police said, went to Scott Guy's place on a bike. They said he took his bike, bike down there and bike back because they, they said he, he'd used these, uh, a bike in a previous crime to do it silently, and, and, but there was no sign of bike tracks anywhere. So if the cars are involved in the crime, it kind of rules Ewan McDonald out completely. Just uh, and tell us that again. Why does why does the car rule it out? Because because uh, Matthew Island would have seen the car come back. Yeah, the, I, I mean, if these cars that are randomly going across, uh, along this country road around the time of the ki- of the crime, at the exact time that the police saying that Scott Guy is shot, well, then that doesn't fit with the police case that Ewan McDonald was the killer because Ewan McDonald supposedly went there on his bike. If there's cars that are connected some way with the crime that, you know, uh, uh, are driven by the killer or whatever, then it's got to be someone else, not Ewan McDonald. Was the murder weapon identified? The police, well, it's identified as far as, uh, as, as, as it's a shotgun. Uh, 
um, it, the police case was that it was the farm shotgun, uh, which was hidden in uh, in three was broken down into three parts and hidden in the farm office behind Ewan McDonald's house. Now it was hidden there by Brian Guy, Scott Guy's father. And there's no indication that anyone else knew where it was hidden. Um, but it, when it was found later that morning, Brian Guy, you know, heard that his son had been shot, obviously, went to the scene and later on checked where that gun was and found it exactly where he'd left it, broken in three parts, uh, hidden separately. So the police case was always that it was pretty much that was the weapon, but... Um, there's no indication that Ewan McDonald actually knew where it was, and it was found exactly where Brian had left it. So whether that was the weapon or not, it's hard to know. The problem is, it's not like a rifle. You can't trace from a bullet uh, what the weapon was that fired it. A shotgun is pretty anonymous. Um, you, you, you can find out what kind of shot it fired, but a whole range of shotguns could have fired that. So it's really hard to know exactly what the weapon was. How come when a neighbour said that Scott was stabbed, Ewan McDonald replied, nah, he was shot before anyone actually knew? Have you heard that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And this came out of trial, and this was a strong part of the Crown case. Um, David Berry was Scott Guy's neighbour. He was the man who discovered Scott's body. As, as David drove past, he saw Scott lying in his driveway. David went up to, the, to Scott's body and rang 111 and said, my neighbours had his throat cut because David assumed that that's what had happened because of the wound that he saw. Um, and later on at the cordon, uh, the, the, once police had arrived, uh, it was reported um, by Nicky Guy, who was another of Scott's sisters, that someone had said he's had his throat cut and that Ewan McDonald said, no, no, he was shot. And theoretically, the police said, there's no way Ewan McDonald could have known that he, that he was shot unless he was the killer himself and had you know, been there. The problem with that was that David Berry uh, doesn't really remember, or he remembers some comment about that, but says it wasn't Ewan Donald that said that. He thought it was a, a, another friend. Um, and Ewan McDonald, of course, completely denies that. And this was never raised until Ewan McDonald was actually charged. Uh, it never came out in initial statements. So there's a whole lot of um, doubt about that. Um, Nikki Guy, obviously, very firm that that's what she heard, but that was canvassed strongly at the, at the trial, and uh, obviously the jury wasn't convinced about that. Is it true three puppies went missing from Scott Guy's property around the time of the death, and is that significant? Yeah, th- um, so Scott and Kylie had um, a litter of puppies that they were selling. Uh, there were three that were missing when they were checked on. Uh, the suggestion was that Ewan McDonald had stolen them to make it look like a burglary gone wrong, um, but a, do- a dog burglary gone wrong. Yeah, because the puppies were quite valuable. Uh, and the suggestion was that, well, Ewan MacDonald had, had pre- stolen them prior to killing Scott, somehow disposed of them, um, to make it, to, to, to divert the police from him and to make it look like a burglar had been there stealing puppies and then been confronted by Scott Guy and shot him. Uh, the puppies have never been found. Um, and. Th- 
yeah, it's it's a mystery. Uh, it was a huge part of the police case trying to trace these puppies, but they've never been found. But yes, they, um, three were missing, um, and one one way of looking at it is that yes, you and McDonald might have used that as a ruse to divert attention away from himself. The other one is to say, well, there was a burglar who was. Um, trying to rob the farm sheds and took three puppies and then kind of got caught by Scott Guy. It's fair to say that there have been very many, there have been a huge number of burglaries of rural properties and sheds uh, in the Manawatu area and around Aurangi Road in in the previous months. So it's not you know, something that you can rule out at all that there was someone burgling the, the shed that night. Where does Callum Bow fit in? So Callum Bow was a worker on the farm. Uh, he was a, a good friend of, of Ewan McDonald's. He had left the, um, the farm by the time of Scott's murder. But in the previous years, Callumbo and Ewan McDonald had been involved in a number of other what they call missions. And they used to go hunting together a lot um, and poaching. And they were both involved in a series of other crimes, uh, which the listeners will probably be very well aware mm. of. Um, there was a shooting of two stags on, on a neighbour's property. There was um, a burning down of an old house on Scott and Kylie's property and vandalism, terrible vandalism of Scott and Kylie's uh, new house. There was a killing of 19 calves on another farmer's property, um, dumping 16,000 litres of milk and burning down a, a duck shooting lodge. Now, all those crimes were essentially what led police ultimately to, to focus on Ewan MacDonald. But they were all committed with... Callum Bow, who was a, 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 um, this farmhand. And Callum Bow was actually indirectly the person that led police to Ewan MacDonald because it, when police eventually released a photo of graffiti that had um, been written on Scott and Kylie's new house when it was vandalised, someone recognised the handwriting and said, hey, I think that's Callum Bow, a former employee of him. And so they confronted Callum Bow and he confessed that he'd been involved in all those crimes with Ewan MacDonald. And the police immediately thought, well, Ewan MacDonald has this vendetta against Scott Guy over... He thought Scott was lazy on the farm and there was concerns about the future of the farm and who was going to own it. And so the police immediately thought, right, we've got our man and arrested Ewan MacDonald very soon after. And how much tension was there between Scott and Ewan when the killing took place? Well, I think it's undeniable, Jesse, that there was uh, there had been a lot of tension. There was concern about who was going to take over the farm, who was working hardest, and you know how the division of labour, etc. And there had been a few blow-ups and and pretty serious discussions about this. But everyone says that in the last eighteen months, which is the last time that Ewan McDonald committed a crime against Scott and Kylie that things have been really good between Ewan and Scott. And in the, just a, a few weeks before Scott was murdered, uh, both of them had been to a, a dairy conference down in Invercargill. They'd, you know, stayed, they'd shared a motel room and, and socialised together. And both had said, you know, they had a great time and they, they, you know, it was great to spend time with each other. And so the suggestion clearly was that they'd been getting on a whole lot better in the last year or so before Scott's murder, the Crown, the, the prosecution and the police, their argument was, look, this was the motive because Ewan was worried about what was going to happen with the farm and was, had a vendetta against Scott and Kylie and thus killed them. 
the defence at trial said, hey, that was in the past and really your motive doesn't stack up. Uh, and, you know, we should remember that there are people, possibly people listening who are affected by this this case and, and families too. It must be very tough for them every time the uh, case is back in the media. But as long as we are looking at all possibilities here, you know, if we accept that there's a motive there and a potential motive and um, and that there had been some... Um, problems in the past, some some activity, some targeting by Ewan in the past. You know, anything to suggest that he might may, may have hired someone or, or otherwise convinced someone to do the job on his behalf? No evidence. Um, if that was the case, then the police would have brought that uh, that case to court. Um, and certainly, there's nothing to suggest that. I mean, this is the very difficult thing because people criticise the police for. Um, perhaps focusing too much on Ewan MacDonald as as the possible culprit without evidence. But there was a lot that kind of pointed to Ewan MacDonald, all these crimes that he committed, some of which were specifically against Scott and Kylie. So it was pretty fair that the police looked really closely at him. But when you looked beyond that at anything that linked Ewan MacDonald physically with the crime scene or with the person as the person that pulled the trigger, there wasn't really anything that stood up in court sufficiently. Now, whether there was a hitman, I mean, we're right in the realms of of, of supposition there, and um, you know, I, as I say, uh, there's been absolutely no evidence to to suggest that at all. So, what's the next best? theory if it wasn't his brother-in-law from down the road? Well, um, there's always been a strong argument from many people that have been have looked at this case, and it's something that's very strongly supported by some of the lawyers that defended Ewan MacDonald, that there was another man who was out that night who was a well-known criminal, a violent criminal, uh, known to use shotguns uh, and standover tactics. And this person had, um, with others, been out. They'd robbed another property. They'd um, taken the proceeds. They'd swapped that for two grams of meth. They'd smoked the meth and then gone out again. And that man, as far as we know, the only alibi that he has is from his partner who says that he got home about four o'clock, she thought. She admitted, though, that she was pretty wrecked on meth herself and she thought he stayed up after, stayed home after that. There's a strong suggestion that, that there's something that links this man, he has name suppression, with the crime. Um, one of the things they stole uh, during the burglary earlier that night was some Winfield Gold cigarettes that had only been on sale for the last three weeks, and a packet of this specific type of Winfield Gold cigarettes was found very close to the crime scene, uh, crumpled up, whether it's a coincidence, whether it leads to this man who was known to use shotguns and to to be burgling rural properties amongst others, um, I don't know. But it's something that many people have said deserves further attention. Why does he have name suppression? Uh, because, um, like many people who were on the suspects list, um, the the police uh, don't want to uh, allow those names to be made public because other people might then claim that they were involved. Um, Do you think anyone else will ever be charged with this crime? Look, I like to think so. This is one of the ones that I think it is possible. I think the longer it goes on, the less chance that we've got of finding um, who killed Scott Guy. 
with all my heart, I, I hope that we do for everyone's sake, for his family, for his wife, for his kids. Um, but people die, people's memories get hazy, but I really do hope so. If you haven't heard them yet, go back and listen to the previous three seasons for more spine-tingling true crime stories. They're available on the RNZ website, Apple Podcasts, Spotify and iHeartRadio. Actually, anywhere you find your podcasts. Follow us to get the next season as soon as it drops. And in the meantime, have a listen to some of RNZ's other great podcasts like Eyewitness or Party People. And you can catch me each weekday on the Afternoons program on RNZ National. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.